All right, it is book club. Book club day. And I would like to start off with this question for you, Mariah. Do you think you would have been a feminist in 1817? In 1817 (laughs) Scotland? No, I wish that I could say, yeah, absolutely. I... I think that if we're talking the 60s, yeah, I would have gotten fired up and it would have been a thing that people were talking about. And that's what would have made me realize that. I feel like I would have just, I don't know. I would love to say, yeah, I would have been a feminist. I totally would have said women should be doctors too. I don't know. Maybe I would have. I don't know, Kelly. I don't know. Would you have been a feminist in 1817? Uh, not in the sense So we read the book anatomy a love love story story. um and not in the sense that i would have jeopardized a like courtship and things like that like i maybe in a different sense right but i think in the sense that like yeah i'm gonna say screw you to marrying this wealthy person and i'm just gonna throw it all away because i want to get a job or whatever you know like even if they were your cousin kelly like in in 1817 (laughs) in 1817 like in the 1960s like there had been enough like little things done Mm -hmm. where like a woman could get a job right yeah in 1817 no woman is getting a job. Like, there's Unless not she's... enough of a foundation for that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It wouldn't be feminism in the way that we know it. Yeah, like, I might have been a feminist in, like, certain ways, like, speaking my mind or something like that, you know? Yeah. Um, But, like, I feel like it's, like, that's dangerous and not doing anything for women at that time period. Like, because you you wouldn't have a way to support yourself. No one's mm-hmm. going to hire you. If you're ruining, like, burning all your bridges with, like, all, with, like, someone who's going to support you. Like, it was it's the sad reality that in 1817 you needed that just for, like, a safety living type of thing. Like, what are you going to do? Go live on the streets and get the plague because you want to be a doctor so badly? I... It sounds like someone might. I don't know about you and me. You know what? Now that you're saying it like this, I think I agree with you. When I so okay, I'm gonna like pull it closer to our time frame just a little bit to Anne of Green Gables, which is like mm, I'm not even gonna say a time frame because I don't know. I should know. It's one of my favorite books. No clue. But like, I look at the way that Anne was raised versus her best friend Diane. Diana, not Diane, Diana. Um, And Diana was raised with like, you are a girl, so stop reading and start sewing, kiddo. And Anne was raised with like, learn how to sew, but we like, go ahead and read a book and climb a tree. As long as you have on time to do your thing. Like, I think that I would be that kind of feminist that like like, Marilla was. (laughs) Well, and I mean, think about like, there's a reason that like, big waves of feminism and like big changes for women in society didn't happen until the mid 1900s right because Mm -hmm. it took a lot of time to build up that small base of like oh yeah women can read women can have opinions women can have short hair and wear pants like it had to be like Mm -hmm. 
it was many, many years of all these like little changes before the big things could happen. And like, it's kind of irresponsible to do those big things without any foundation. Well, yeah. And okay, this is, mm, this is going against all of our book club (laughs) changes, but I just have to speak my mind. Speak I just to like, Kelly. Tell us what you think. So this character thinks that she can just like become a doctor in 1817 and someone will hire me, whatever. Like it does like just the way that she was treated, like she wasn't even allowed to like go to school to become mm-hmm. a doctor, right? And it was just like uh you it was it, it was too privileged, right? Like it was like uh-huh. you have the privilege to think that you'll be able to do this, but like you're blinded by that privilege because in reality, by not marrying your cousin, like you're putting your own life in danger almost, right? So I have a couple of thoughts about this because the only time that her privilege was called out by anyone was one time when they were going to go dig a body out of a grave and Jack was like, you rich people, you always think things are going to work out for you. And she was like, but they will work out. And I was like, okay, so <laughs> so you're just agreeing with him now? <laughs> yeah, that's right. I am privileged. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> and like, good. It's important to recognize our privileges, yeah. Hazel. That's, that's how, true. That's how privilege works. Everything that's- worked out for me. <laughs> yeah, if that's the word for it, I like it. <laughs> um, Yeah, no, I think... So let me backtrack on what I said initially when I said, no, I wouldn't be a feminist. Um, I take it back. Uh, and I'd like to make a public statement where I'm redacting what I said before and adding in. I would be a feminist in the ways that it would have been like. Just pushing the envelope a little bit, you know? Yeah. Like I would have totally gone to some. I think she called, said she wanted to go be like a witch doctor in the woods or something like that. I totally, I would totally be like, give me that wart root, wart flower root tea. I'll drink it. Give it to me. I believe you. Look at you supporting other, <laughs> supporting other women. <laughs> I'm here for the girl bosses. <laughs> I am not a girl boss myself 1817 me not a girl (laughs) boss but 1817 me supports the girl bosses supports the girl (laughs) bosses really here to support those girl bosses i might even go out and pick some wart flowers for her which is a horrible (laughs) name by the way what wart flower is that even a thing i'm gonna google it now i'm gonna do some research kelly the scientist doesn't know if a if a wart flower is real or not let me see your degree I'm Kelly. And I'm Mariah. And this is Peak Distraction. A podcast about everything. Okay, so, um... One of the things that I was kind of thinking of after I finished the book was like, okay, Mariah, um, would you ever write like a historical fiction book? No, I wouldn't. 
Is this um, considered historical fiction? I have no idea. I, I honestly, a gothic tale full of mystery and romance. I think the only thing that it did was be gently gothic, slightly mysterious, and had some passionate kisses. <laughs> I, mm. I can you like I can't imagine writing a book set in eighteen. 18- 70 uh, we don't do research for this podcast <laughs> ever can, can you right? imagine us writing a historical fiction it would be a disaster it'd be pretty similar to this book i think <laughs> but i was reading this and genuinely i was like i'm not so sure the author knows anything about scotland or 1817 there were a couple <laughs> of times that i was like that i, I thought know. the same thing i'm also was is the Roman plague actually something? I don't know. Also, apparently, when did Anna? One of the biggest questions I had was when did anesthesia become a thing? Oh wow, I have no idea. However, I will say I have heard that like even anesthesiologists don't really know how it works because it's magic it's a magic (laughs) potion and if you take too much of it you accidentally live forever (laughs) no no kelly that was a different potion (laughs) no it was the same one oh yeah 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 you're right it was the ethereum (laughs) i was i was like how does one drop put you to sleep but too much of it (laughs) keeps you alive forever (laughs) seems conflicting seems confusing to me Oh my gosh. Yeah, I, are you finding out anything about um anesthesia in an, 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 uh, you know. Yeah, yeah, anesthesia. Uh-huh. <laughs> anesthesia. <laughs> That's at first I thought you were talking about the princess and I was like, That's pretty I don't, set. I don't know when she was alive, but this is like rural. I have a really hard like I have to actively think about that word. So that I don't screw it all up. Um, this is how that word is feeling. Anesthesia. Um, even that sounds weird. I think I'm pronouncing the anesthesia. <laughs> sounds like a fake word to me. Uh, it is. But it was an early form of anesthesia was first used at Massachusetts General Hospital in Boston by dentist William T.G. Morton and surgeon John Warren on October 16th, 1846. So what I'm hearing from the timeline is that the guy could have gone and sold it. He could have done what he said he was going to do, scooted over to the States, lived forever there, and gave people ethereum and said look at the sciencey name i gave it it's science not magic yeah it actually does say that um it was supported by the findings of one dr beecham (laughs) (laughs) so this is like super historically accurate you guys crazy (laughs) bananas who even knew Literally, who even knew? Um, I would just like to say from the from the start, here we are, just ten minutes in or so, and 
there have been a number of books that would be on my did not finish list if it was not for this podcast. (laughs) There's like a list of books that would be on my did not finish list. And this one honestly would have made it there. I downloaded the audiobook at the beginning of the month, listened to one chapter and said, this is going to be hard to get through. And then had to order a physical copy to actually read it. It was squelchy. I am laughing so hard right now because (laughs) I said the exact same thing this morning. I had to read 50% (laughs) of this book today. And it was super quick to read. Mm -hmm. It was easy to get through. I was like, I have enough time, but... Uh, straight up, I finished it, and Jacob asked if I finished the book, and I was like, I did, and I just, I have to say, I was really unmotivated to read this, because were it not for this podcast, I would have quit probably 20 pages in. Yes. (laughs) Yes. I'm glad I didn't, though, because then I would have never known that... (laughs) There's an immortal character. Yeah, there's literally magic at the end. I was so upset because you get to the last 100 pages and then things start happening that are exciting. Yeah, and it's still written terribly. (laughs) Um, Should I read the synopsis before we get too far into this? And should we give people a heads up that we had nothing to relate to this book about so we're just gonna talk about the book probably (laughs) this book sucks (laughs) if it was written a little bit better our podcast episode might be a little bit better (laughs) so if you read the book and you're like this was i don't know or if you loved the book let us know because i just want to know why why tell me why and how (laughs) neil gaiman loved it and i was so confused about that he was probably paid money. <sighs> I'm pretty sure all those people are paid money to put their Neil, name on it. Don't lie to me. It's like John Green the same thing one. as being like an influencer, brand partner, or whatever. What? Dude, Emma Lord. I'm so sorry I interrupted you. She gave a review on the back of this book. No, mm. Emma. Come on. Okay. Here is the synopsis. <clears throat> A gothic tale full of mystery and romance, Hazel Sinnott is a lady who wants to be a surgeon more than she wants to marry. Jack Currer is a resurrection man who's just trying to survive in a city where it's too easy to die. When the two of them have a chance encounter outside the Royal Edinburgh Anatomist Society... Hazel thinks nothing of it at first, but after she gets kicked out of renowned surgeon Dr. Beecham's lectures for being the wrong gender, she realizes that her new acquaintance might be more helpful than she first thought. Because Hazel has made a deal with Dr. Beecham, if she can pass the medical examination on her own, he will allow her to continue her medical career. Without official lessons, though, Hazel will need more than just her books. She'll need corpses to study. Luckily, she's made the acquaintance of someone who digs them up for a living. But Jack has his own problems. Strange men have been skulking around cemeteries. His friends are disappearing off the streets. And the dreaded Roman fever, which wiped out thousands a few years ago, is back with a vengeance. Nobody important cares until Hazel. Which is she thought? Anyhow. Now Hazel and Jack must work together to uncover the secrets buried not just in unmarked graves, 
but in the very heart of Edinburgh society. That was the most exciting thing I read in this book. (laughs) I had to go back and reread this. Uh, I thought I knew what the book was about. And then I was like 30% in and I had to reread the synopsis because I was like, what happens in this book? I'm so confused. (laughs) Also, the synopsis tells us nothing. Well, yeah. And then I read the synopsis and I was like, none of this has happened yet. Literally, (laughs) the book did not start until 50% of the way through. Yeah. Yes. And I would argue that nothing truly exciting started happening until like page 280. That is where, that is where the meat of the book happens. This book has 330 pages. It could have, it could have been a short story. Also, you know what I think? I think that all of the magic could have sort of been trickled. There was no foreshadowing. I kept looking for it. There's foreshadowing to the like earthly things that were happening. Yeah. Limbs were being stolen. Gross. Weird. Wonder what's happening. Probably the evil doctor. But they could have just, they could have alluded to magic. You know? They did a little bit, but what the author did was like, She'd like foreshadow something and then it that would come to fruition like 10 pages later. Like so it that's wasn't why it didn't like, feel like foreshadowing. Yeah. Yeah, because it was it happened like five pages before the mm-hmm. when she was watching the demonstration, the dude was like, Oh, Dr. Beecham, this feels like magic. And he's like, <laughs> no, assistant, it's just <laughs> science. And then 10 pages later, he gives his I'm immortal and uh, the longer you live, the more you realize that it's not magic. It's just science because you know everything about the world and life. And Literally, the way that that came out of nowhere. And it- she just accepted it. <laughs> well, because she had figured it out. But we didn't see any of the... Like, we saw nothing of her thought process. We watched her walk down the street on Christmas Day Go into the school, which, sad, a teacher in the school on Christmas Day, if you're doing that and you're a teacher, don't do that, please. I'm begging you. Enjoy your time. if you're immortal. (laughs) If you're immortal, please enjoy your time away from work. I don't know. Even if you don't celebrate, enjoy your time away from work. Oh, man. However, I would like to say that there were a number of Twilight references, and it also started to feel like Tuck Everlasting at the end. Which, Tuck Everlasting is one of my favorite books as well. Literally only because someone handed a vial of immortality to someone else and said, drink it or don't. (laughs) I just have so many issues with that. Yeah, you're right. We do not see Hazel's thought process at all. We're told that there's a diagram of a hand Mm -hmm. at some point in the the book. We're told that she finds this diagram of the hand. And then all of a sudden, 10 pages from the end of the book, she's in his office, pulls out the diagram and says, you're the original Beecham. There's only one of you, isn't there? And that's, yes. that's it. Like, yeah, we don't like, how did you figure that out? Not that we got a whole lot of deep inner thoughts from Hazel anyhow, but like something. Give us something, man. We didn't you know, get anything. Yeah, and nothing. then and then he explains that he's immortal, and then she just like kind of forgets that he's a murderer. Yeah, uh, literally, 
Literally. Okay. I'll take this violin leave. I'll forget that you're killing the poor people in the city. Yes. So, so many things happened in the last 20 to 30 pages of this book that could have made up the whole book if they had been paced well. And pretty much 0% of it was tied up well. Yeah. Well, and it's a duology, right? So there's a second book. Well, yeah, but if you I like, I'm curious. I want to read the second book to mm-hmm. prove to myself that all of this could have been in one book. I really wonder if she had written one book and someone said that's too much, make it two. Well, I'm confused. If I'm wondering if she even knew she was going to write a second book or not, because. The way that the book ends, like, it could end there. Like, we know Mm -hmm. that Jack is alive. Mm -hmm. And, like, that's it. We don't get any thought process from Hazel on that, too. I'm really really confused um, as to how Hazel is, like, so intelligent and such a Mm -hmm. great world-changing scientist and (laughs) physician, as Beecham calls her. Because, yeah. like, from the perspective of the reader, <laughs> she seems pretty average. <laughs> I, <laughs> yeah, yes, yes. I also think that part of that comes from there were so many side plots. Like, sometimes a name would be said as if everyone should know that name. And it took me time to be like, who is that character? Yeah. Why does this matter? Were you confused about Monroe? No. I think that that was one of the paragraphs that I read closely. I was confused about Monroe's age because in the beginning, I thought Monroe was like older and like just like a grumpy older guy who like took kids under his wing right rob graves yes and then when he comes back with one arm he seems like he's more their age mm-hmm. and so i was real. i was like i didn't know it was Monroe. i thought it was like some kid saying that monroe was back i didn't realize that that actually was monroe really yeah but i mean like none of the characters were crafted well they all you could have told me any of them <laughs> said whatever line and I would believe you because they all yeah. had like the same per- two-dimensional personality. Yeah. Um I think honestly the only reason I wasn't confused is because I just didn't pay that much attention. Like I just wasn't thinking about it very deeply and so I was like, "Oh sure, okay. Yeah, he's also 17. Also were they 17?" Yeah, I think yeah, 17. Got it. Yeah, they were 17 because uh, I, the only thing that I could like remember was Jack's Tumblr speech. I just was like, this is something. <laughs> oh my God. It's on <laughs> Tumblr and there's like a, a faded grainy picture of like a sunflower field in the back of it. Like at sunset Someone should or tell something. you you're beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Even on someone, August the 8th. <laughs> someone should tell you you're beautiful on Wednesday. Someone should tell you you're beautiful on August 8th just because. 
Someone should tell you. And then, okay, it was like a couple of random days, like August yeah. 8th and Wednesday, and then the rest of them were just holidays. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, what? so artsy. You're just going to tell her she's beautiful on holidays? I- <laughs> it would have been more romantic if he had said, like, someone should tell you that you're beautiful at the moment that the sun leaves the sky, but there's still bright colors. Like, you know what I mean? Like, comparing her to something else beautiful you know what i mean yeah yeah Yeah. instead someone should call you beautiful on christmas and new year's eve and thanksgiving and And the day before thanksgiving and the fourth of july (laughs) (laughs) he was starting to recognize holidays in the u.s because he ran out of scottish holidays also maybe august 8th is scottish independence day i don't think so (laughs) who did the scots gain their independence from London? Probably who didn't, you know? Who didn't get their independence? <laughs> didn't <from London>? everyone? <laughs> didn't we all? <laughs> Britain invented colonialism. <laughs> I think that was uh Rome. What was I gonna the, say? The Greeks? Christopher Christopher Columbus. Oh, I guess Spain, yeah. Spain well, is Well, I guess also... just the word I don't know. Who you know what, Kelly? What I'm learning is that neither of us is a historian. No, I'm pretty sure Christopher Columbus was a Spaniard. No, he was. I know that. I just neither of us knows. But the but you're right. The Spanish explorers did also participate in lots of colonialism as well. Um, what is Guy Fox Day? Do you know? Because I feel like I've heard that before. But what is that? Who is I've, he? I've never, never. Maybe it's like our Christopher Columbus Day. Whoa. Which we don't celebrate anymore. Some people really, anyhow, some people really do. <laughs> I want to know what Guy Fox Day is. Oh my gosh. While fighting the Spanish, he was, okay, well, now I have to know. It's November the 5th. This someone year. Should, someone should tell you you're beautiful on November 5th. <laughs> and August 8th. And August. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, so it's just... Oh, it's bonfire night. Why? Okay. Whatever. Uh, something that I just couldn't stop thinking about when they were talking about immortality. Are you ready for this? Oh, no. Did you catch when Dr. Beecham was like, nothing will kill me unless maybe you ripped me apart and burned me to ashes? And I literally... All I could think was, so you watch Twilight. Got it. I, like... Don't know if I actively connected that to Twilight, but I did in reading that section uh, get Twilight Edward Cullen vibes. Yeah, same, same. I well, and it was so it was that, and then like the oh, there was something else that just made oh when after Jack has been hanged, but we all know that he's still alive. Um. When Hazel is having dreams about him, I was like, oh, okay. So once again, we have a stalker just standing in a room watching a girl sleep without her permission. Got it. That's not romantic. It's creepy. Wait, who was standing in her room? I think that Jack was. I don't have anything to back that up. Because she's having dreams about him where he's like standing there looking at her. And you remember how Bella had dreams like that in Twilight? 
There's no way he was actually there. She had a letter from him. You can't write a letter and also visit someone? I mean, you can, but I don't I don't think so. Maybe. That could have been a Twilight reference. I don't know if it was, but it felt like one. But he's not a vampire, so he can't move fast. Like, it made that makes sense for Edward Cullen because he has, like, the speed of the vampire, you know? Yeah, I guess you're right. But I really do feel like Jack was just standing in her room watching her. I'm gonna let you continue to believe that because Thank I you. think that make this book, makes this book better for you. It, it did. <laughs> it really did. Can uh, we talk for... Oh, go ahead. Yeah, no, you go ahead. Um, can we talk for a second about her cousin who she's supposed to marry? Her first cousin who she's supposed to marry, who's a terrible person with cold lips? Do people have, like, I feel like lips aren't cold. I, when he kissed her in (laughs) the kitchen, she was like, is a kiss supposed to be that wet? And... (laughs) Oh. And it just made me think of the one uh, worship song that's like, like a sloppy <laughs> wet kiss. <laughs> I hate when people sing that line. That is not <laughs> literally okay. I swear to God, it's always the homeschooled people that sing that the original version without a second thought. <laughs> I have never done a study of that. But now we need to know. From based on my own observation, <laughs> it tends to be the homeschooled kids that are like, it's like a sloppy wet kiss. Because they With like don't have the social context to know that that's weird. <laughs> I don't know, man. I know some homeschoolers who have kissed a lot more people than I have. So Okay, I'm not saying this is true of all homeschoolers, but I am saying that it is only people who have been homeschooled that I know (laughs) of that will sing that lyric. So it's kind of like how only hot girls have ADHD, but not not, all hot girls have ADHD. Got it. Okay. There are 100% homeschooled people that would not sing sing it that way because they I'm do really glad to hear that context right but there are it is pretty well known that there is a large population of homeschoolers that don't have that social awareness because they never school you know and yeah. okay that's fine but they also sing like a sloppy wet <laughs> and there, if you have never heard that song, it's a reference to God. God's giving you a sloppy wet kiss. <laughs> I had never thought about it that specifically, but that makes me deeply uncomfortable. A Isn't sloppy it, wet yeah, kiss. Doesn't that, it's almost as bad as Hazel getting a sloppy wet kiss from her cousin. <sighs> and she describes <laughs> his tongue as like also cold. First of all, why is his whole mouth so cold? It's 1817. Do they have chilled drinks? I mean, he's rich, so maybe they do. It's That's a good question. I don't know. I don't know. I You know what? Maybe the problem is that I just haven't kissed enough people, so I don't know how like cold mouths can be. <laughs> but I guess if you've ever kissed someone who has a cold mouth listener, I would like for you to send us a text and just tell us what I think what were the circumstances. Um, I mean, I believe mouths are supposed to be normal body temperature. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If not like a little bit warmer. 
Yeah, it's like nice and warm and moist in there. Oh, I... <laughs> I should have never brought up mouths with you. <laughs> All right, we're bra- we're back after a brief intermission. Uh, Mariah had to go throw up because... <laughs> Uh, she brought up mouths with me and she should have known better. So, <laughs> Yep, that's what happened. That's <laughs> exactly what happened. Oh my um, gosh. Yeah, I, you sent me a text. You started reading this book before I did mm-hmm. and you texted me and we're like, wait, is she supposed to be marrying her cousin? <laughs> <laughs> And then I and I was like, "Damn, I really need to start reading this book." <laughs> <laughs> She's bringing frogs to life. Also, okay, the frog coming to life. What did that have to do with surgery or medicine or anything? I think it was supposed to be an ex like an expose of who she is. Maybe, but also she wasn't bringing the frog back to life. She was just electrocuting it. Yeah. There was nothing about that frog that was actually alive. It was shaking because it had electricity running through it. Yeah. Were yeah, they I trying to tell us what they I, knew about medicine? Like, I don't. Yeah, no, I don't know. Like, I didn't get, like, wh- I thought she was going to dissect the frog. Yeah, I wish she, she would have dissected the frog. She had the frog in that. her pocket, and I thought she was going to dissect it and study the parts, you know, because she's supposed mm-hmm. to be, like, a surgeon, and instead she was like, I'm going to electrocute the frick out of this dead-ass <laughs> frog. <laughs> Until it comes back to life. Because I want the to end. be a surgeon. <laughs> I literally, yeah, no, same. Also... Oh my gosh, I, it still makes my skin crawl when I think about the way that the frog, the dead frog was described. I just, like, I can see it in my mind's eye and it just is horrifying to me. It is. Another question that I have for you about deadness. How quickly does a body decay when it's buried? Because they made it sound like they immediately, like, become nothing. Well, I would assume bodies back then were not embalmed. Yeah. So probably. Like, probably pretty quickly? Yeah, because, I mean, think about, like, roadkill, you know? Like, that decays pretty quickly. But nowadays, humans are, if they're buried, mm-hmm. they're embalmed. That's true. I guess I've just never thought about how quickly that happens. And if they didn't have anesthesia, they certainly weren't embalming (laughs) bodies. Kelly, they had anesthesia. They had it. It was called Ethereum. Come on. (laughs) Oh, you're Kelly, did you read the book? (laughs) Do you think people also use anesthesia today to kidnap people? Oh my gosh. I hope well. Chloroform. Is that that anesthesia though? Not technically, but it knocks you out. What else does anesthesia do for you other than just knock you out? I don't know if it like no, you're right. You do your body does feel like you got hit by a train when you wake up after anesthesia. Anyways, I don't know. I've never been under. 
I when he first pulled out a cloth and put it over someone's face, I really <laughs> thought it was just gonna be chloroform. I was like, I oh, you figured it, it out. Yeah. Good for you. He <laughs> <laughs> figured out chloroform. Got it. And then it was something you're the different. Evil character. <laughs> uh, yeah. No. Uh, yeah. Did you uh, know he was going to be the bad guy before it was revealed? Um, I kind of figured. Um, I was tricked until he sent the letter saying, "Stop giving people the wart root flower drink." Then I was like, "I thought mm. the I thought the um." like describing of dr strain as the creepy guy was Mm -hmm. like too heavy-handed see and i just didn't think anything could be too heavy-handed for this book (laughs) i read a lot more thrillers than you do though and and i like watch a ton of crime shows and Mm -hmm. so like it's it's never the first person that you think it is you're right like a general rule and trope um so as someone who reads that genre a lot and watches mm-hmm. that genre a lot i was like 100 percent, it's not strain it's not strain it's hmm. not strain he's a red herring <sighs> but uh hold on what was i gonna say i don't remember um yeah, so I did kind of guess that it, I, I, I so I guess I shouldn't say that I knew it was going to be Doctor Beecham, but mm-hmm. I was pretty certain that it wasn't Strain. I just really thought Doctor Beecham was going to be a good guy, and I, was I wanted him to be. I Me did too. want him to be. I really like. I thought it might have been um, for a se- hot second. I thought it was going to be the. Uh, doucher from hazel's anatomy class oh turb turb whatever Turd. yeah yeah whatever. <laughs> <laughs> honestly she should have just named him turd i i was gonna i was gonna call him topper <laughs> <laughs> which you know fitting that could have been topper too except for yeah. topper is a little bit different because topper is generally right not when he sets their house on fire at the end of the, that last season. Um, but generally, Topper has been right. He's a doucher, but he's generally right. <laughs> yeah. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. Exactly. There's- Call me Topper because I'm not wrong. I- <laughs> Trash dog Topper. <laughs> that is what they called Kelly in high school. You guys... Trash dog topper. <laughs> that sounds like that sounds like the name of like some old guy with a long beard that's like sits in the back of a smoky bar and like has a low gravelly voice. Oh, trash dog topper. <laughs> he used to ride a motorcycle, but never a Harley Davidson. How dare you ever imply that? That's too mainstream for trash dog topper. <laughs> <laughs> it also it also sounds a little bit like a dish guy theory might make <laughs> it's like the name of like a special sauce or something yeah. <laughs> yes exactly and then we finish with the trash dog topper I- <laughs> yes chef yeah yes chef um you said red herring and it made me think of alfred hitchcock because i think that that's from alfred hitchcock the idea of red herring 
I could be completely wrong. But there is a word, and it sounds Scottish, which also fits into our book, that, oh man, I can't remember it. And I'm so disappointed because it's like, it means that the whole plot of the movie doesn't matter. And it's just there for you to be excited and excited by and like enjoy. I don't know if that makes sense. And so I just... Outside uh, it of makes the... sense to me, yeah. Okay, great. Thank you. I just wish I could remember the word. It's I'm going to remember it after we're done recording and I'll be so upset and it'll be fine. I'll cry about it later. Don't worry. But I think that if this book had been more exciting all the way through, I might have said, that's what happened here. Okay, I'm glad you are saying that this didn't achieve that because I was like, no. that's yeah. a stretch because there's a lot of media that does that well. Napoleon mm-hmm. Dynamite, for example. Zero plot, so enjoyable. (laughs) So well, yeah. No, you're so right. Right? Um, Like, I am a big fan. Sally Rooney, all of her books. No plot. Phenomenal. Absolutely amazing. has zero plot and is also not phenomenal. Well, it does have a plot, but it's just not good. I am still confused about what the plot is in this book, Yeah, I don't. There's too much going on. Too many things. Kelly, do you remember the Thanksgiving that we spent together? I think we were on the West Coast somewhere and we watched Napoleon Dynamite in Spanish and then we watched it in English the <laughs> yes. same day. That was yes. fantastic. I do remember that. Oh, that was good. a good Thanksgiving. What a good holiday. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Someone should have told me it was beautiful that day too. <laughs> I was just about to say. Someone should tell you you're beautiful while you're watching Napoleon Dynamite in Spanish on Thanksgiving. <laughs> Someone should tell you you're beautiful on Thanksgiving between your two viewings of Napoleon Dynamite, the first in Spanish, the second in English, and they have to learn how to say you're beautiful in both languages. (sighs) (laughs) Tu hermosa. (laughs) So close. (laughs) So close. I think you missed the verb in that sentence. Tu es hermosa. (laughs) No. It would either be a, oh gosh, Elizabeth is going to listen to this and be so upset with me. It would either be eras or estas. And I can't remember which one is correct for calling someone handsome, beautiful, whatever. I can't remember. (sighs) What a disappointment I am to myself and my Spanish knowledge. Kelly, can I tell you one thing that I liked about this book? (laughs) sure (laughs) the cover art (laughs) did you see the the person the girl i didn't i read it on the kit i have it on my kindle so i don't like you don't see the cover the cover art yeah yeah there's a girl's fate like a she's it's her dress that makes the heart shape so that was really cool and i was very excited about that i didn't realize that i liked the heart though on the cover of it originally and i like the text i think it's wasted on this book but okay what did you think of jack and hazel's relationship i first of all the only way that i could see jack was as young snape from the harry potter movies only way that i could see him that's funny because strain (laughs) reminded me of snape yeah Yes. You know how, do you remember me telling you that sometimes when I'm having a hard time getting into a book, I do funny accents? 
<laughs> yeah. I did a Snape voice. I did a Snape <laughs> voice for his big surgery scene. He was described as like whooshing a cape yeah. or like a long coat and then just like cold. And, you know, I 100% like when he came in to dissect the body <laughs> and he was like, Beecham doesn't get his hands dirty or something like that, you know? Yeah. Um, 100%. I was like, this is Snape when Remus Lupin. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. 100%. 100%. When Remus Lupin is out being a werewolf, this is yeah. Snape. <laughs> he never gets his hands dirty. <laughs> we should all be Remus Lupin because you just get like a lot of time off every month. You- I yeah no I agree with you so many more work accommodations <laughs> I, it's kind of upsetting actually how many work accommodations he gets versus literally anyone else <laughs> very upsetting um yeah so uh if you hire me the one thing you should know is that I am a werewolf and so <laughs> I do need five days off around the full moon every month so, every month sometimes yeah. twice a month depending on how I'm recovering <laughs> In a good month, I'll need 10 days off. (laughs) In a hard month, I don't know, like 20, maybe? (laughs) You tell me, is that okay? Or more, maybe? Okay. All right. um, I'd also like a minimum of six figures. Thank you. Yeah. (laughs) Mm, Thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you. Um, Back to Jack and Hazel. Yes. I think that I liked the idea of their love story. I so the the love like proclamation with the everyone someone should call you beautiful blah 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 thing I get it but also it felt so much like this is so out of character for him this is we don't even see the inner thoughts of Jack being like this if he was poetic in his thoughts I would have been like yeah that makes sense he's a tumbler boy spelled boi I get it I understand I didn't. I didn't understand. Also, did you catch the reference to him spending the night at her house? Like, in her bed? There, no. Kelly, right before he is put in jail. Oh my gosh, I actually have to find the page because I, I was skimming at this point. I was so sick of reading. And my eyes caught on him, like, putting his shirt back on. And I went, wait. Are you trying to just so subtly refer to the fact that... Okay, that makes so much sense because what what I was going to say is I was howling. I was... I lost it at the (laughs) the freaking trowel reference. Oh my gosh. Literally could not. I could not handle it mostly because I was like, that came out of nowhere. Like, yes. This book has had zero like hints of being like sexual at all and then all of a sudden it's like hazel turned around is that and he pulls the trowel out of his pocket (laughs) i literally when i read that i was like what was hazel going to say what was she going what was she gonna say i don't know you know what Um, she was are you serious no, I do know. I just don't want to talk about it. We talked about mouths and it was too much for me. 
Okay, here's... Literally, Kelly, here's the paragraph. You can stay here, Hazel had whispered to him a few days before Burg- or after Burgess's arrival. While she was still in bed, he pulled on a well-worn shirt and the jacket that he'd left hanging on the back of her chair. And that's all. It, there, there's reference to it being morning and her still being in bed. I 100% miss that. Because it was two sentences. I am glad that it is... It's too subtle. It should have been more obvious, right? Uh, but I'm glad that it exists in there because I was like, the the travel comment came out of nowhere and then she did nothing with that. Like, I mean, she still kind of did nothing with that. I mean, yes, she tried to do something at least, though. Um, also, like, I just said she was trying to make them like making out in this grave like super romantic oh, I was like, it was, there's a they just dug up a dead body together that's disgusting yeah, literally that was i was like you are in a grave where a dead body just was that probably has a literal plague oh what are you doing no that one didn't have the plague that oh. one was missing its eyes oh my gosh so dramatic also that kind of brings me to i have two last points i need to make that brings me to one of them which is i feel like hazel is written to be this like morally sound i want to be a doctor for all Mm -hmm. the right reasons right and then hazel makes zero like moral ethically sound decisions in the end like all of her decisions are questionable (laughs) in the novel yeah yeah i agree well it's because everything worked out so perfectly she didn't have any adult supervision at all ever not once in her whole life also the fact that everyone just went along with what she said and did and no one called her mom well you literally couldn't call but wrote her mom and said dude your kid's running amok yeah, how did it, no one ever find out that she was running a literal hospital <laughs> without a medical license? Yeah. Or, honestly, the proper tools. I also kept wondering about, like, she's doing all of these things and they never comment on her hand. Like, she delivered a baby and then ate a slice of bread. And all I could think was, did <laughs> you wash, wash your hands, hands? please tell me you washed your hands first right because she wasn't wearing gloves at all no because she didn't want to be like beach them she wanted to let her hands get (laughs) (laughs) done that's so gross (laughs) i don't know what to tell you so disgusting she took one piece of advice from dr what was his name strain yeah one piece of advice from strain and it was go ahead and get your hands dirty kiddo get your Dirty, and don't ever wash them. Your hands, as a surgeon, are like a cast iron pan. <laughs> do not use soap, whatever you do. We don't understand how diseases are spread, but it's definitely not this way. Definitely not. Definitely, you can not use soap and then eat bread, and it'll be you'll be fine. You'll be fine. Uh, builds the immune system. Um. I was really upset for Jack that mm-hmm. she gave him the p- 
potion, the immortality mm-hmm. potion. I was like, that is a slap in the face. <laughs> like, hey, you're not going to die, but then you're just going to be imprisoned or running from the law for the rest of your life. And then your life is also never going to end. So, y- yes. Also, she didn't save any, like, she should have taken a sip of it. You know what I mean? They should have split it. Yeah. I thought that, like, it was supposed to be this beautiful love thing, right? And I was like, I think you're being selfish by Mm -hmm. giving him this. Yeah. Asking someone to never die for you isn't, you know what? That's the one thing that Edward Cullen got right. He said, I would never ask you to never die for me. And Bella said, I would love to never die for you. You didn't even have to ask. I was thinking about it when I realized you're a vampire. Jack was never thinking about immortality because you know what, Kelly? It never came up. Not once in the book, ever. <laughs> because it didn't become a plot point until the last 20 pages. <laughs> until literally he was being handed a vial of both black glittery liquid and golden liquid and at the did, same time. Why didn't he question it? He just didn't question it. Yeah, yeah he just believed her. He just was like, yeah, no, you're right. There, You're right. It'll make me immortal. So I He's guess I guess this is magical realism then like this is also like fantasy where like you know like it's like a normal society but then there's like small elements of fantasy and magic that the characters are not shocked about I teach a class on fantasy. Okay. So <laughs> that's what magical realism is. It's like characters are not shocked about they just like accept that magic is part of the normal world. I think that what was hard for me about that is that it did not happen until we were 40 pages from the end of the book. No, if that had been throughout no, exactly, the book, exactly. I would have if, totally bought that. If, no, and I like I 100% agree with that. I think she's like trying to make it like magical realism, but like at this point, there's been no other mention. Like it doesn't have to be immortality, but there's no mention of any other kind of like yeah. magic or like fantastical elements of this world right so like up until the last 20 pages we just think it's a normal society or normal reality Mm -hmm. and then you're just going to introduce this at the end and he's just going to accept it and not question it what like if you want it to be magical realism that needs to happen from the start it should have been if if anything 20 pages in rather than 20 pages from the end exactly i wonder if that's what she was trying to do with the frog was foreshadow magical realism except she used only real thing like you can electrocute a frog and make it move yeah that wasn't like magic yeah but i wonder if that's what was like the attempt being made was well then someone should have edited this better if that's (laughs) what she was trying to do um okay we are getting to probably the end of this podcast <laughs> yeah, here. Can I tell you, did you read my last comment? Um, not fully. On Storygraph? Okay. Can I tell you how I think this book would have been better? Yeah. <laughs> okay. If I were to write this book, mm-hmm. I would have left out immortality completely right i would have never put that in at the 20 pages i also think it would have been i i think i would have written the characters a little bit better uh personally (laughs) uh 
But I think it would have been a lot better plotline if we see Hazel and Bernard's relationship a little bit more. Bernard being her cousin. Yes, Bernard, her cousin. I think Mm -hmm. we saw their relationship more. Instead of Bernard being written as a doucher, he's gay. So they have this, like, kind of agreement where, like, Mm -hmm. she is going to do her surgery stuff Mm -hmm. and he's going to cover for her and he's going to have his own love affairs Mm-hmm. and she's gonna cover for him so they're kind of in it together so we have like that kind of conflict then we mm-hmm. get kind of multiple love stories and then we see her relationship with jack um and then i also think that jack should have died in the end for it to be like a true tragedy <laughs> not that I... I wanted him to die right yeah. but like you're getting us to feel this emotion finally mm-hmm. and then you're like but he lives So then it's like, okay, so then I felt zero emotion in this entire Mm -hmm. book. I think that that would have definitely made the book more interesting. And I wish, no matter what, I wish that Bernard just hadn't been such a jerk. I spent so much of the book, because at the beginning, we're led to believe as the readers that he's a nice person and that he's totally on Hazel's team. And then all of a sudden, for the first time ever, he's like, no, you being a surgeon is a dumb idea don't do that dumb dumb yeah and she's like who are you well and see that's where i think it would have been better if it was like he was on her side and then we also got like a little bit of a side story with bernard Mm -hmm. as well because like the you're a woman you can't be a surgeon thing was so heavy-handed yeah it would have been a lot more interesting if she had someone that was not a love interest that was like Mm -hmm. in her corner Yes, another man who she didn't have power over, who was not a love interest, who was in her court, 100% agreed. Also, think about how much more she could have done if she had had his power backing her. Mm -hmm. She could have had soap to wash her hands with. She could have. Just tossing it out there. She could have. Could have delivered a baby and then said, hey, soap, soap up my hands. I don't care what strain says. She could have. Because it could have been something, like, then you could have made, like, the actual, like, Bernard's dad, Lord Almont, um, he could have, like, found out what Bernard and Mm -hmm. Hazel were doing, like, found out that his son is gay, found out Mm -hmm. that Hazel is, like, trying to be a surgeon and um, is, like, dating Jack, and, like, Mm -hmm. he could have been the one that reported Jack to be the bad guy just because he found out what, like they were applauding yeah what they were doing doesn't that book Which, sound a billion times better than the book that we just more read interesting <laughs> way more interesting i feel like i would actually have finished that book even if it wasn't a book club book like so much more conflict mm-hmm. less bad guys than there needs to be uh-huh yeah <laughs> and more just amount of bad guys <laughs> more intricate relationships yeah so then in your story, Dr. Beecham would just be a side character who helped Hazel get to where she was going. Dr. Beecham can still be the bad guy and like harvesting bodies and doing illegal surgeries, right? Because okay. then Jack could still end up in oh, jail sure. and be hanged. Yeah. But it could actually be Dr. Beecham's, like Dr. Beecham the third. Yeah. Like, 
just skip the whole immortality thing. Why can't it be the third Dr. Beecham? Yeah, you're so right. It can just be a grand, a great grandson mm-hmm. that is killing people to do surgery. I, <laughs> literally way more interesting. I, <laughs> Kelly, now I feel like we have to read the second book just to figure out what happened. I just have to know what happens and why is there a second book? Is that where the plot exists? I don't know, but then I'm going to be so upset if the plot exists in the second book. <laughs> so I had, to, really good. I had to read 300 pages to get to the plot. I, you know what? If that is the case, I'm going to, I'm going to tell people, let me just tell you what happens in the first book. I will make it so much more interesting and then just read the second book. Do not waste your time. <laughs> and if you have questions about who characters are, me too. <laughs> Couldn't tell you. literally couldn't tell if i wanted to reading the book won't help you either (laughs) it won't lots of names starting with b also the henchman for dr uh beecham his name is jones and the only way that i know that is because beecham called him jones four million times in the one scene that he exists in (laughs) jones yeah (laughs) yes he's like it's magic sir and he's like jones you idiot it's science jones (laughs) Okay, yeah, the dialogue, I'm sorry, if you're gonna write an 1817 book, can it not sound like we're in 2023? I, you know what else I was confused by? The amount of dialogue that was written in the middle of paragraphs. I don't, I'm not good at writing dialogue, but I got lost a number of times. It is supposed to be separate. Okay, that makes me feel better. I got lost a number of times because I was like, there's so much description happening between these little chunks of dialogue when he's telling her every day that she should be called beautiful. <laughs> Kelly, if you get a text from me next August 8th just saying you're beautiful, please know. <laughs> Thanks, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> the beautiful thing that came from this novel. Jack is still well and alive today. Jack, <laughs> my heart will go, will be yours forever, beating her still. <laughs> It was too much. It was too much. (laughs) Oh my gosh. So if you guys read this book and you enjoyed it, I want to know, tell us what you enjoyed about it. Because I would like to be excited about something in this book other than telling someone they're beautiful on August the 8th. (laughs) That's what I'd like. Okay. So this whole episode was obviously our joint review. (laughs) Uh, What was your star rating? I hadn't given it one because I was so excited by the ending of the book because the ending of the book, even if it was poorly written, was so exciting. Like I finished the book and I went, oh my gosh. And then I remembered that I had read 300 pages reading up to that point, just going, (laughs) where are we going with this? I don't understand the foreshadowing. What is the point? We get it. She loves Jack. The... I... So I don't know. I I saw your star rating and I think that I'm probably around that same place. All right. Yeah. So I rated it two stars. (laughs) Um, Truthfully, I was going to rate it one star uh, (laughs) because I was so bored. And I was I was honestly like angry when she dropped the immortality thing i was like yes what the f she did not just do that to us like this literally came out of nowhere Uh Uh (laughs) so i was i was really upset about the whole thing and rightfully Um, so 
And then I decided to give it one more star because I was like, I'm genuinely looking forward to like hate bashing this book tonight. (laughs) So (laughs) I need to know how many stars on average. Oh my gosh, Kelly, it has a three point almost eight average star rating on Storygraph. I saw that and I was shocked. I wonder how many teenagers read this book because if I had read this as a teenager, I probably would have loved it because it kind of reads a little bit um, like not fan fiction-y, but you know how when you write as a as a teenager, especially it's like boring, boring, boring. The love scene that I'm the most excited about where he calls her beautiful every single day of the week, blah, blah, blah. Boring, 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 boring. Maybe you didn't experience that. That is how I felt writing as a teenager. Um, yeah, I don't know. I did have that thought, like, would I have enjoyed this more as a teenager? But I honestly don't think I would have enjoyed this as a teenager still. Mm, I think I I really think I would have enjoyed it as a teenager. And if I could have gotten past the first 20 pages. I know so many adults that have rated this highly. Really? Interesting. I genuinely want to know what people were excited about because maybe there are things that I missed that were really lovely and exciting. Or maybe it's just one of those books that you read because it's like an easy read, you know? Maybe. It's just not the easy read that I want to read, you know? Well, yeah, I... Give me Twilight if I want an easy read. You know, it it can be an easy read and can still not make me want to pull my hair out, though. I... (laughs) Kelly, if you pulled out your hair, you could always um, have it Guess what? sewn into someone else's scalp if Beecham was here for you. Finley Donovan? Easy read? That oh, was five so stars. Good. That's done so well. That book is so good. Kelly, you know what I realized today? I was looking at my story graph. The number of books that I've given five stars to and the whole time that I've been like keeping track of the books that I've read, I think is 13. Do you know how many of them have been from our book club? 11 five but still it's a lot of my it's a lot of my high highly rated books me too which is really exciting i feel like we are either hit or miss with these books though it's very rare that it's like we have a couple of months in a row that's just all good i know i am glad that we both agree we've been recently like agreeing a lot more on our star Mm -hmm. reading (laughs) and uh, I'm glad that we both had the same experience. If you yeah. came on here and told me that you loved this book, I, <laughs> I might have suggested that we not record tonight. <laughs> or we just record separate reviews and say it and put them up. Just yeah. say that's, that's what we've got for you, folks. Legitimately, though, like, that is why I gave it the second star because I was like, I'm not quite mad that i read it i kind of enjoy like i kind of this is a book that i kind of enjoyed hating on yeah yeah well and you know like i said for me i think i'm gonna give it two stars the one star because it was boring 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 but then i'm gonna give it a second star because no matter how poorly written it was i really enjoyed the ending the end was entertaining (laughs) exactly the end was high point (laughs) after high point because i wasn't paying attention anymore to like hey she didn't question that. Hey, he didn't question that. Like, yeah, he's alive. She knows he's alive, right? <laughs> You're just like, thank God something's happening. I, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Dopamine started going off in my brain and I was like, oh, finally. <laughs> Events. <laughs> Action. 
Oh my gosh! I'll I'm take just any for kind. the mom to come back. Oh my gosh! Anything. I want a book about the mom. Give us a Do book you? about the mom's grief. I. I feel like reading the mom's book could potentially, if it was super well done, could read the same way that um, in Pride and Prejudice, uh, Elizabeth's mom, Mrs. Bennett. There we go. The way that Mrs. Bennett is written, I feel like we could totally read her that way. She, it's comedic how dramatic she is. Yeah, her mom is really dramatic, but at the same time, it was it was um, the experience that I have watching a lot of teenage shows now, where I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, but like your mom's right. Yeah, you know. Oh my gosh, yes. Like she's all mad because her mom is like, "Don't ruin things with Bernard," and she's like, "Mom, stop telling me what to do." And I'm like, "Yeah, but like, your mom's just looking out for you. Like she's yeah. not wrong." Yeah, and like, no, I agree. Her anxiety about Percy is called for because she mm-hmm. did have a son die, and yep. that is just the way society works. Yeah. In 1817. So, like, your mom is not wrong. Is she a little obnoxious? Yes, but she's yeah. not wrong. I, I And she didn't also. abandon you there. She wanted you to come with. And then you said, I, I have the fever. I'm, I'm so sorry. I can't come into work today. I'm sick. Oh, my gosh. I feel like I brought up this music or this song a couple of times in the podcast. Johnny Horton. Maybe. Have I said his name before? I think so. I think so, too. He is the one who writes, like, U.S. history into (laughs) songs. Yes, you definitely Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. Because every time you say 1817, it brings up a line, and I can never remember the year. So I'm going to just Google it real quick, because I need to know. In... We took a little trip. In 1814. Oh, my gosh. So close. Wait, people are saying 1814 and 1813. 1814, those are the lyrics. So anyhow, if you want to listen to that song, it's called The Battle of New Orleans. And it's, in 1814, we took a little trip. (laughs) And then it continues on. Um, So that was all that I, every time we said 1817, my brain went, in 1814, we took a little trip. Well, thank you for that fun fact. (laughs) (laughs) Kelly, you are so welcome. Gosh, you're so welcome. I appreciate that. Now Um, you understand the inner workings of my mind. Yeah, I do. I do. Incredible. It's just history songs and Twilight primarily. (laughs) (laughs) I hate how right you are. Okay, someone, so your brain is history science and Twilight. The other day, um, <laughs> last week, I was at, like, a pool party, and um, I was, me and a friend, like, went to, like, go to the bathroom, and um, we were talking, and she was like, Kelly, whenever I think of you, uh, she was like, I just associate you with, like, teenage shows. <laughs> Your show is, your brain is primarily teenage shows and crime novels. Got it. Yeah, 100%. I was like, you know, you're not wrong. That's fair. I do only rewatch. She was like, you talk about them so much. And I feel like you just only rewatch like 
shows from our teenage years. And I was like, 100%, I do. Yeah. I do. Because they're I, comforting. Yeah, and like, now you can add the summer I turned pretty. Like, new teenage shows I'm still uh-huh. watching, so. I love it. I love it. At least you're consistent, you know? And you are too. <laughs> I'm really I'm really here for it. <laughs> oh my gosh. <sighs> All right. Well, I think that's probably it for today. I think so too. Um, do you have a Stars Hollow Gazette to say? Uh, I thought we were going to skip that, honestly, but I can. Uh, we can have a one article Stars Hollow Gazette. I just want everyone to know that I did go get my tattoos on the backs of my arms. Oh, yeah. You I got did. sunshine, sunrises on the backs of my arms. Shout out to Bonnie. She did my first tattoo. And then I just like literally by chance because it was walk-ins both times. I got her again. And I was like, this is fate. I love her so much. <sighs> Shout out to you, Bonnie. If you ever hear this. You had a story you that you one. wanted to tell me on the podcast. Oh my gosh. I forgot about that. Kelly. Do we? Okay. So when I was like 14 or 15, I was go-karting with one of my friends in a go-kart that her uncle made. He was a mechanic. So it was like legit, but she was driving and got a little bit wild as a teenager might. And she was taking corners really fast and she took a corner so fast. I was holding on to what my what my dad refers to as the oh shit bar you know how in a car you've got the little handle above the window whatever it's an open it's an open concept go-kart and I'm holding on for dear life above my head my head with my right hand and she takes a turn too hard and the whole go-kart lands on top of my right arm and so like both of our weight and the go-kart are squishing my arm like folded up Oh, yeah, literally. So right where my tattoo is, there was a bruise almost as big, if not bigger. Actually, it was much bigger than that. It was like, if you filled out the sunshine, that would be the whole bruise. Um, And for years after, I've been like, I think I might have nerve damage in that arm, but I can't really tell. Kelly, when I got my tattoo, a quarter of it, I could not feel at all. And the rest of it was so painful. Like my left arm easy peasy, no big deal. My right arm was so confusing because for a second I was like, are you still, I can feel pressure. Are you tattooing? And she's like, yes. Great. So just like completely numb. And the spot that was completely numb didn't bleed at all. Weird. Yeah. Super weird. So anyhow, if you're a medical provider and you're worried about that, call me and let me know what's wrong. <laughs> Someone um, diagnosed me. <laughs> I'd love to know if your name is Hazel. Even better. <laughs> I'm only taking diagnoses from teenage doctors in 1817. <laughs> with the name Hazel. And if you're in love with a Jack, even better. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's my life update. What do you What do you have for us, Kelly? Um, I have reached the work from home level of I'm never going back into the office. (laughs) I got a walking pad for this school year. I used it for the first time yesterday. Mm -hmm. When I tell you I have never been so focused on a work day. It is a game changer. And I got 10,000 steps in before noon. Amazing. Wait, I love Love this for you. Best purchase ever. So I'm super excited about that. I'm even more excited about it, though, 
I was waiting all week for this walking pad to arrive. Uh-huh. And it, it arrived. I took it out of the box. I unboxed it. And immediately, do you want to know what I did? <laughs> what did you do? I started training sessions with Millie. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> um, yes, that's uh, partially the other reason I got it, because I was like, I am determined to train my dog to use a walking pad. <laughs> <laughs> I would like her to know how to do this. <laughs> she, her training sessions have been going well so far. It's going to take a while to get her to like stay on. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's like not afraid when it turns on. And she has walked a little bit on it. If we, if like I have her harness and her leash on mm-hmm. and there's a treat in front of her that like I need a peanut butter spoon. And yeah. then I think she'll really focus. I just had a treat that she was like kind of constantly eating but i think a peanut Mm -hmm. butter spoon and a harness (gasps) and her leash and she's gonna stay on there for miles so amazing yeah wait i love all of this yeah i'm pumped i'm more pumped about that part of it than i am about (laughs) using it for myself so it's the simple (laughs) things in life you're teaching and behind you is just millie trotting along on a walking (laughs) path and your kids are like uh miss mash what is going on my dog is going for a walk what's going on at your house my dog's using the treadmill I, my you dog is a gym that? rat i i don't know what to tell you my dog is just really really beefy my dog's a fit girl she's a fitness influencer actually you should see her lifting weights it's kind of incredible Love it, love it, love it. Okay, well, I think that's it. Um, I have to go watch TV for the rest of the night, so. Oh, man. Big plans. Big plans. I need to go put my clothes in the dryer. Big plans. <laughs> Big plans for both of us. Yes. Okay, guys. Please. Everybody, thanks for listening. If you read the book, let us know what you thought. If you didn't read the book, let us know if you're going to. <laughs> Follow us on Instagram. Um, feel free to give us a call or a text. Our messaging box is open on Google Voice. Feel free to leave us a message. We would love to hear from you. Yeah. Retweet. All right. Bye. Love you, trash dogs. And you too, buckaroonies. Bye. Remember, only hot girls have ADHD. But not all hot girls have ADHD. Thanks for listening to this week's episode, y'all. Remember to check the description for this month's book club pick. Deuces. Bye. Bye. Love Love you.